1: Just like that, final hour is here on the Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Weekend really started yesterday. Football weekend, that is. And uh, hopefully the final hour flies by for you. We've got plenty of discussion topics uh, straight ahead. Game previews, picks, and more. Friday the 13th edition, Chad.
0: I had no idea until I I looked down at my phone and saw on X someone to have a Friday the 13th post. And right before you said that, Hudden. N- no clue.
1: There you go. Uh, the costumes will be out at the Withrow household. Um, Those scary movies?
0: No, not not as much. The scariest movie that my children will watch is Hocus Pocus Two. Oh yeah, on Disney. I haven't Plus. seen that's two. about as scary as it gets. I tell you what, though, if you just watch a nationally televised game, like on Monday Night Football, ESPN, yeah. Every single break, I'm inundated with the Exorcist believer <laughs> trailers, and I'm thinking I have to turn away from the screen. It's horrific what is shown on the screen during commercial breaks, and I'm thinking this is a, a kid-friendly game. This is Monday Night Football. I can't even yeah. watch it in the background Give without my Taylor kids Swift. having nightmares. Right? Let's shake it off. Let's not. <laughs> yeah, that's it's bad.
1: Uh, no nightmares with the, the college football schedule, uh, which uh, kicks off tonight. Uh, Colorado is uh, playing this evening against Stanford. Other games as well, and uh, a full slate of solid games uh, in whatever window you want to take a glance at for your Saturday schedule. It is time for Chad Withrow's top 10 games of the college football weekend.
0: Need more reasons to watch college football? It's time to bang some hats. Here's Chad Withrow's must-see games this weekend. Let's call this list the against the TV network grain edition of my top 10 because I am in stark contrast with what the television networks decided were the best games this week with my alignment of the top 10 games. The evidence is in where you can find some of these games being played time-wise and networks they'll be on, but I am thoroughly intrigued. And since this is with Rose' top 10 college football games the weekend, we'll go with my list instead. Let's start with number 10. We're going to go to the SEC. You just heard Kelly in Vegas talk about this one. Florida at South Carolina. This will define the middle to below of the conference in a way that Maybe another game on my list will also define it. That's coming up here a little bit later. But I really like this matchup. Billy Napier, Kelly just talked about it. It hasn't been awful. And it mainly hasn't been awful because of a great second quarter against Tennessee where they dominated and they went on to beat Tennessee by a couple of scores. That's really saved their bacon this year because outside of that, they weren't overly competitive at Utah against the backup quarterback. They certainly weren't competitive at Kentucky, and they let Ray Davis look like Walter Payton yes. against them defensively. Yeah. And now they get South Carolina on the road. Kelly to mentioned in talking about Florida beating down Tennessee. Tennessee destroyed South Carolina a couple weeks ago before the bye week. So right. if we're going with transitive property, Florida should win this game. I don't think it's that simple. Playing on the road, especially the SEC, not easy. I really like this game, and Vegas agrees. Two-point spread, that's it. The Gamecocks favored by two in this game. 2.30 p.m. on SEC Network.
1: South Carolina's three losses, their losses are combined 16-1, and one, their opponents on the season.
0: Not bad. They yeah. have played a murderer's row so far, and um, it's going to be another tough one on Saturday at 2.30. Central time on SEC Network. Game number nine, Hunt. you've already talked about this one. This could be the battle to decide the Mountain West Conference. Wyoming, perfect in the Mountain West, one loss in the season. At Air Force, who's perfect on the season, not just in the Mountain Mm -hmm. West. Air Force, a little bit surprising, an 11-point favorite in this game. I've been impressed when I got a chance to watch Wyoming so far this year. Had the big win over Texas Tech to start the year. Have not had a chance to watch Air Force yet. Hutton, I'm going to be watching this game, though. 6 p.m. Central, CBS Sports Network. Maybe. Is this Brando? Maybe. No, it's not Brando. No, he's on FS1. I'm not sure he'll be calling.
1: Well, give me Wyoming. Spiro Didis, maybe? Maybe. Uh, give me... I uh, just threw
0: that name out there. Who knows?
1: Who knows? Uh, it's a good game. One of the Eagles? I automatically saw this. I have it at 10.5 from earlier in the week. I'm hammering the 11.5 yeah. as well with the I extra love point. Uh, Vegas always knows. In this case... I can't figure it out. Give me Wyoming.
0: I'm glad you said Vegas always knows, Hutton, because game number eight falls under the what does Vegas know question mark to me. Okay. NC State at Duke. NC State with one loss in the ACC. Duke currently perfect in the ACC. One loss overall. That is with ACC adjacent Notre Dame. They lost a close game. Duke at home, 17th in the country. NC State. No offense to speak of. Brennan Armstrong, the Virginia transfer quarterback, has been benched. But Duke, only a three-point favorite in this game at home. Hutton, you can find this one on the ACC Network at 8 o'clock Central You'll time. first
1: have to find ACC Network, yep. and then you'll find the Which game, is a challenge. I, I was really high on NC State a year ago, Chad, with Devin Leary and company. Uh, they really let me down. So anytime I see a spread that should be doubled, I... Go all in against NC State this year, and it's just out of the you know the vitriol I have after last year's predictions. Like, it was yep. more than just a uh, bottoming out; it was a, a car accident that bad. Uh, give me Duke and double it. I mean, I, this is a great spot for the Blue Devils, and I, I'm with you. What do they know that we don't? In this case, I know Duke's good. NC State's just average.
0: Yeah, NC State rivals Iowa as the most boring Power Five program. That's decent. Yeah, they, they muddy the waters.
1: Of. They muddy the waters.
0: Both programs play pretty good defense. Yeah. No real offense to speak of. I don't quite know the identity. I know more of Iowa, but both of them, not a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I like Duke bigly in this game yeah. against NC State. This game, game number seven, is one that would have been higher on my list preseason because I'm expecting a bit more of these teams, but I still like the game. Kansas State at Texas Tech. The Red Raiders a one and a half point favorite. Timmy B may be on the call this there you one. Go. It's on FS1, 6 p.m. Central Time. Kansas State lost on a 61-yard field goal to Missouri, lost to Oklahoma State. They got one loss in conference. Texas Tech struggling a bit also with a loss at Wyoming. But both teams still with only one loss in the Big 12. This could be a key game to springboard one of these two teams that both had pretty high expectations, yes. especially K-State yes. in the preseason this could be a a launching point for either one of these programs the rest of the way
1: my my big take on on this game chad just what you you alluded to it i'm surprised that we're in week seven and neither team is currently in the top 25.
0: me too me too In, in texas tech by the way was my preseason big 12 pick uh to win it still could One loss, they get this one at home. They're a slight favorite.
1: I had K-State.
0: But see, that one-and-a-half-point line tells me Vegas thinks K-State's probably a little bit better. Yeah. But they're giving the point, uh, point point-and-a-half to Texas Tech because of home field advantage. Game number six. Let's head back to the SEC, a game that I previewed a little bit earlier, talking Florida-South Carolina. Missouri-Kentucky, big for both these teams. Kentucky ranked 24th nationally, two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I think Missouri has shown themselves to be the better team so far. I know some might not agree, but I feel like Brady Cook, Luther Burden, a great quarterback receiver combo. Luther Burden is a difference maker for Georgia. He's a difference maker for Texas. He's a difference maker for USC, Ohio State. Forget about the Missouri that he's playing for. He's a difference maker anywhere. He's that good of a player. Five star talent coming to play for the Tigers. Both Missouri and Kentucky suffered their first loss of the season last week. How do they bounce back this week? I'm intrigued to watch this game.
1: Would you call them, five-star?
0: Yeah. Five-star?
1: Kentucky has had back-to-back transfers looking for that type of talent and consistency. Couldn't find it in Levis. They haven't found it in Leary. Uh, Missouri, to me, is the obvious selection here, and UK has an underrated home-field advantage, many will say. I like Missouri on the road in this game especially considering the beatdown that took place on the road for Kentucky a week ago.
0: Keep in mind, uh, coaches show this week after that loss to Georgia. Mark Stoops is talking about, hey, if you pony up more money, we can compete with Georgia because they've bought a lot of really good players. Will he make that same complaint about Missouri and their NIL program? If they lose this game, time will tell. No, because they can compete against Missouri. True. (laughs) I think we actually have more money than Missouri, unfortunately, if they lose this one. Game number five. Uh, I... Tennessee's spending a lot of money in NIL. Don't know they're spending as much as AM. This they're, is the battle of powerful NIL programs The battle this of game. collectives. <laughs> yes. The collective bowl <laughs> in Neyland Stadium this Saturday. Texas A&M at Tennessee. Tennessee ranked 19th. The Vols, a three-point favorite. CBS SEC game of the week, 3.30 Eastern time. The Aggies must run the football. They got stuffed against Bama. They got stuffed on the ground against Miami. We saw how those two games turned out. Defensively, think a lot about Tennessee with offense. How about this? And Aggies, known for the defensive front, rightfully so. Texas A&M is number one in the nation in tackles for loss, number two in sacks. Okay. Tennessee is number one in the nation in sacks, number two in tackles for loss. Defensive front, we are looking right now, statistically, at the two best in America. Not many would think about Tennessee. No. With defensive front and getting after the quarterback and getting into the backfield. But that's what they have right now. Hutton, shockingly, this could be a 13 to 10 game. Yeah. Take the, the under. Is what this you're this could be a low scoring game.
1: They were expecting rain. Now they're not. The rain should move out by the time kickoff arrives on Rocky Top. AM, of course, quality group on defense. They're known for that. Tennessee's only allowing, what, 18 points per game? Yeah. On average, less than five yards per play. And Secondary has been better than a year ago we, so far. On the flip side, when are we going to have the top flight, what many will overreact to and say, this is the breakout game for Joe Milton. It's going to happen. He's going to play the A-plus game at some point. And that's when the passing game will take flight. Does it happen here? Does it happen down the road? But if Tennessee has it happen in this game, they're looking at, I think, nine wins. I think the loser ends up with seven wins at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think the it's loser... It's a big swing for both coaches.
0: Yeah, especially A&M with the two losses already. It's, to me, it's one of those games that it's it's bigger for Jimbo Fisher personally. Yes, yes. It's also huge for Tennessee, though, to win at home to reach whatever goals they had preseason. And, and find out the floor, as you've been saying for a year And I think if Joe now. Milton just does what he's he's been doing, which has been okay, but not great tennessee's gonna win all but maybe alabama yeah. and georgia but you know what i'm saying what when they he has the, the super right.
1: human effort that he can show will that be the same week that everything comes together where you still only allow 18 points and you're top two in the country in the front seven on defense if all that happens then the overreaction will happen about tennessee here's
0: a prediction joe milton will have that superhuman effort and it may be tomorrow It may be at Alabama. It may be against Georgia. Right. They will pull a game out that they probably shouldn't win because that's superhuman effort. And a very much below average bad Joe Milton will lose them a game. They absolutely should win. That's that's my prediction the rest of the way. Game number four. Let's go back to the Pac-12, the fading Pac-12. Number 18, UCLA at number 15, Oregon State. The Beavers, a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. This game's at 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Bruins coming off a win over Washington State. These two teams have not played since 2019. UCLA's on the road for the second time in three games. The Bruins' defense, you don't think Chip Kelly and automatically think defense. Bruins defensively, though, allowed only one offensive touchdown against both Utah and Washington State. Another one that could be a low-scoring game in this one, Hutton. Uh, Many think it is a free-for-all at the top of the Pac-12
1: in terms of who can win it. The winner of this stays alive in the discussion, although it's bleak. You stay alive in the Pac-12 discussion for the championship matchup.
0: Game number three, let's go back to the ACC. If Mario Cristobal elects to take a knee, and they hold on to beat a bad Georgia Tech team, this is a battle of unbeatens in the ACC and a monster matchup. It's still huge. Miami at North Carolina. The Tar Heels a three-point home favorite. This is the primetime game on ABC, 7.30 Eastern time. Hutton, my question is one that you've posed throughout the week. It's very simple. How does Miami respond after that, after that disappointment? And I believe how they respond is not only going to show a lot about what they are the rest of this season. This could be an inflection point for Mario Cristobal as head coach at Miami. If they don't show up in this game and North Carolina rolls them, and they go on to a 7-5 and five type season, that's not good going into year three based on what we saw last week. And North Carolina is capable of, of just putting up points
1: at the end of a game against a much improved Miami defense. Yeah. I just don't – the whole mentality of who they were five minutes prior to that possession where they had the clock in their favor and the victory formation wasn't called versus who they are now, I think I think North Carolina rolls in this game. Because all the discussion has been about last week in Georgia Tech and the loss.
0: Game number two. Colin Warner, very excited about his Irish, headed back home after a tricky road trip just down I-65 south to Louisville where Sam Hartman was abysmal. Three interceptions, a fumble in the game, five total turnovers for the Irish. Never really had a chance playing that poorly. They get back home, though. They're facing a USC team that essentially has taken a 15-minute break in every game they play, mm. they've looked awful for about 15 to 20 minutes. They find a way to pull it out or they explode with offense in the second half or early in a game. They're undefeated right now. Sam Hartman, can he get it going again against a bad SC defense so far this year? Vegas thinks so. Irish, a three point favorite, Hudden. Three point
1: favorite against Caleb Williams and that awesome offense. Three-point favorite, though, because Vegas knows what this defense is and is not. This yeah. defense is awful and is not improving. And that leads to losses in a stretch run towards the end of the year now for the Trojans. Chad, your number one number game of one the week.
0: Number one game, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Oregon at Washington, number eight at number seven, 3.30 Eastern time on ABC. The Huskies a three-point favorite. Chad, coming
1: up, let's let's dive into your number one game. Let's do it. This deserves the, the hype surrounding what would be a massive matchup if this were on the East Coast. But the West Coast, it, it, it's, it's dampened what should be the best college game of the season, right? Think of the brand of Oregon. Washington is the team that everyone talks about but hasn't really watched. They're on full display. And so is the Heisman hopefuls of Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. It's
0: always damp in the Pacific Northwest, too. So, so time it, to heat it up. pun intended we when you say that next.
1: 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. How am I with Hutton and Withrow? Glad you're with us. Happy Friday to you. Solid college football weekend, NFL as well. Thoughts on uh, the top games uh, coming up. Chad just gave you the, the top 10 games of the college football weekend. And rolling through uh, who he lists, which matchups he lists as the top. Florida and South Carolina. Wyoming Air Force. NC State and Duke. Texas Tech hosts K-State. Kentucky trying to rebound off of an awful beatdown at Georgia.
0: Both teams trying to rebound. Missouri
1: loses in a shootout against LSU. That's his uh, sixth best game. Top five, Texas A&M and Tennessee. Uh, That is your afternoon kickoff on CBS. Oregon State hosting UCLA. UNC Miami, very intriguing to see how the Hurricanes come out and play. Notre Dame will host USC primetime tomorrow evening. And Chad, your number one game, Oregon and Washington in Seattle, number seven against number eight in the country. And more than that, just from the perception of where we see these teams Sunday, and the quarterback, of course, squarely in the Heisman race, presumably, but also Washington or Oregon will be featured maybe once or twice more on the national stage than the loser, just based on quality of opponent for both teams coming up and magnitude of the game and what it means for the Pac-12 and college football race, for the playoffs.
0: It's huge. Michael Penix Jr., Hutton, his lowest completion percentage in a game is 73% so far this season. Washington has a number, and their offensive line has been terrific.
1: Four, four legit receivers. He doesn't really have
0: a lot of pressure on him. He's not getting hit a lot, not a lot, of, not a lot of sacks. Some of that is by design for the lefty, where he gets rid of the ball quickly. Uh, but a lot of that is just really good protection by Washington's O-line. Huskies have the number one offense in America. Oregon has the number two offense in America, total offense. But here's where it's a little bit different. Oregon, top ten in the following categories. Rushing offense, third down efficiency, scoring defense, and they're sixth in total defense. So I I can see where, not that Washington's bad on defense. The slight advantage goes to Oregon as more well-rounded. But Washington's offense is so good. And it's and at start home. fast. It's at home. They've looked so much more. Oregon looked great against Colorado. Colorado's a six-win team. Okay? Take all the hype out of it. Great start for Deion. All those they're, they're a bowl team, but they're probably going to win six games. Maybe seven. Not a great team. So, destroying them at home while fun for those that don't like Colorado, not a huge deal. Oregon struggled against Texas Tech. Washington, meanwhile, blows out Boise State, blows out Michigan State on the road, blows out a pretty good Cal team that should have beaten Auburn at home. Not a bad Cal team. Washington's looked better. We should also admit Oregon, they struggled. They They won.
1: Struggled against Baylor on the road. Tough yep. game. And then struggled early against Stanford. And then yep. ended up being a boat race. They, they clicked. They turned things on. But uh, even in the struggles, Washington has not started slow. And Oregon has. Now, they've been good enough to overcome those slow starts and win. And win in a lopsided margin if you're just looking at the scoreboard. But Washington's been the more complete, consistent team. But Oregon... It, there's, it, there's
0: no blemish on Washington so far.
1: Both of these teams, though, could beat anyone in the country,
0: Kirkland. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I, I think this is legitimately two of the best right now, regardless of, of ranking and all that. I think it's two of the best five or six teams in the country. Not seven versus eight, which the rankings show. I think with what they've done, you you could argue that. I mean, it's it's been... Super impressive.
1: Well, and just Oregon's offense too. You yeah, mentioned so, number one versus number two. They they've allowed just fifty nine points this year. Two hundred fifty eight is how many they've scored, and they've registered at, at least thirty eight points uh, in every contest. So
0: well, so Oregon won legit. at Texas Tech thirty eight thirty in a back and forth close game. Uh, other than that, they destroyed everyone. Colorado at Stanford by the same score of forty two to six. I think the one difference is while Washington doesn't have, I don't think they have a win as good as at Texas tech on their resume. They've just completely steamrolled everyone they've played. And that's some pretty good teams. Boise state is, is undefeated in the mountain West and going to be a contender there. Uh, Michigan state, not a good Michigan state team, but the way they won on the road, super impressive Cal. I mean, it's, It's gonna be a huge matchup. There's no no way around it. You can try to poke holes however you want in this game, but both these teams are just really, really good. And this Pac twelve conference this year and its final year is terrific. I'm hoping that
1: it ends up for the Pac twelve where they get representation in the college football playoff. Because they're both both of these teams legitimately, we mentioned, can beat anyone, which means they're a championship contender and the Pac twelve's been Scrapping and clawing at that, and it's few and far between on the years where they've had an opportunity to do that yep. over the last few decades. And it would suck to have this good of a conference, top to bottom, really top to half, and not have representation in the 14 playoff this year. It could, that could end up being the scenario. It's likely as uh, you know getting two teams in because I think we'll see a rematch here of these two, and the loser, if it's a close loss, not if you lose, but how you lose, Jack. I mean, it's not far-fetched to think that the loser ends up winning the conference championship, and you have that team who loses in the title game go in as unbeaten and still get into the playoff. Yeah, based on the other conference plays, uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see this. Also, uh, game day because of the vitriol that's yeah. going on in Seattle with uh, you've got the the Huskies and Cougs, the entire conference uh, fan base pissed off at ESPN.
0: Yeah, by the way, the one game I was uh, forgetting with Washington, they won at Arizona 31-24, which is a better win than what it looks like. Arizona played yeah. very close with USC on the road. So Arizona's pretty good. Uh, so that's not a bad bad road win also. no road wins are bad, but that's a decent win there for Washington. Um, Ryan Leaf joined our show yesterday and, and said he sat and was shocked to watch Pat McAfee essentially take a dump on Washington State after everything that Lee Corso said the week before and what Jake Dickert, the Washington state head coach said post game after their team's win, I, I I'm with them. I, I think it is a little bit crazy, uh, for a program with college game day that flies old red, the Washington state flag, every single game day that's ever been on location. It flies right there. And it's been kind of a thing that they've had, but here's the deal. Um, the Pac-12 hates ESPN, and I, and I get it. They should hate probably every network for that same reason, because they got squeezed out. Yeah, they did get an offer. Yeah, you're right. So it's not just ESPN, but I do think that it could get a little bit uncomfortable with the show going to Seattle on the banks of Lake Washington tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. local time is when game day will start. You know, early. It'll be dark when the show begins, uh, but that's something to watch to see if there's some some booze from the audience with college game day in-house well
1: and you you go back to even the you know the papers and and, uh, the reporters from across the conference are citing even with chris peterson uh back at washington in 2017 where he called out and said uh, he didn't mention espn by name but the, the schedule makers for having all of the late kickoffs like super late and herb street uh responded later that weekend and said, like uh, from the game day set, hey, Peterson should be thanking ESPN uh, for the relationship with the Pac-12 and the, the national audience that it provides. And later that night, ESPN had the, the game, the San Jose Mercury News is going deep on this one moment and comparing it to now, saying that uh, you had uh, the sideline reporter that night mocking Washington's non-conference schedule after they had to address the whole late-night kickoff stuff on game day. And it's kind of – it is reminiscent of that compared to this, where now back-to-back weeks uh, and two different on-set personalities ripping into Washington State instead of Washington.
0: Yeah, I don't think – I think Pat McAfee, if there's like some jeers from the crowd, you know, he's going to handle it well because he's got the pro wrestling background. I think he'll spin off of it, and it'll be funny, and he'll do well with it. Um, I think Kirk Street's awesome at what he does. Yeah. I don't think Kirk Street will handle it well if they start getting mocked or there's boos or there's chance that he doesn't like. He is a guy that will go at it with people on social media. We saw that with our very own Ryan Leaf, uh, where he went after him for criticizing Lee Corso on it. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and could, Mac,
1: if he's calling Washington State a waste of time.
0: Yeah, which could be a great, uh, look, it could be a great television because yeah. of
1: that. Well, the, the other thing, too, is like if for the fan bases that are so pissed at ESPN and the coverage and, and you know, the the mocking, if you want to go there, uh, where was the vitriol for conference uh, leadership and the commissioner? Where how many how many months this offseason, Chad, like three or four? Did we, did we discuss, oh, we're, we're close to seeing results of a college uh, media rights package and, and numbers behind it? Because Pac-12 leadership continues to say it's there and they have it. It's going to be on par with the ACC and the Big 12. And then they tried to spin it without releasing numbers that it was, in fact, on par with the ACC and Big 12 through Amazon. Or was it Apple? And Apple turns out that's the that's the high end of the marker based on subscribers not based on just you know the the end of the line base basement dollar price that you're going to get no matter what which ended up being what 20 million i believe and knowing that who was leaving versus who was staying brand wise you couldn't put your top brands on free tv because you need subscribers that just didn't make sense and, yeah. and so the 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 whole thing has been uh, a ruse and you've got this situation where, like, the mocking is happening because they're a storyline, but they didn't treat themselves as a storyline at the time. They sat back in silence while they were ran into the ground, negotiation-wise.
0: Well, George Kleavikoff absolutely deserves some responsibility here, but...
1: We haven't mentioned his name in weeks, though.
0: No, we have. Well... uh, I I have. I I don't know that everybody else is, but um, let let me give the Pac-12 side of this a little bit, because... There's a lot of things that they know that we don't. Sure. And there's probably some things they presume that they honestly don't know about how this went down and what went on.
1: I, but real quick, i am just say, it sounds like Washington State is the one being mocked when really the Pac-12 has set them up in this situation, not Washington yeah, State but and it is, but
0: it is Washington State getting mocked, and whoever set them up, it wasn't them that did it. And it's them and Oregon State are the only two that couldn't find a home. That, yeah, that you're right. That didn't do it. So... Look, I mean, if you want to be cutthroat about it and say, well, hey, everybody else was doing their negotiations and found a way out, you should have done the same if you were so valuable. You know, your loss, you didn't make it happen. I I am sympathetic to Washington State and Oregon State in this. Yes. I think what went down here was, it's, Pac-12 presidents know that George Klyavikov did not do a great job. I think they also felt like the the deck was stacked against them from the beginning, and that was no fault of George Klyavikov when they went into these negotiations. They felt they were on par with, let's say, the the Big 12 or the ACC, which you could argue they they certainly are. Sure. And they thought they were going to get a fair offer and a fair de- deal that way. And when they saw things breaking against them, and I think Klyavikov mishandled things with how he tr- tried to look at the numbers, certainly something happened there. But the belief is that ESPN started talking to other programs saying – If you want a safety net or if you want more money in the future, we're only going to deal with a certain number of conferences. So you should probably look around to get into one of those conferences. Only the powers that be in those conferences would know or have caught wind of any type of conversation that went on, let's say, with ESPN in Oregon and Washington behind the scenes about, hey, what would it be worth it to you if we were in the Big Ten? Or if they're talking to the Big Ten, ESPN isn't saying, hey, Get these, con- get these teams. They're the valuable ones. We'll have them also, and that's going to help everyone out. I think, again, I can't get inside their heads. I believe their thinking is the deck was stacked against us and ESPN conspired with those that left and other conferences to pull them from us where then we had no shot. Because they were being offered a better deal that we couldn't offer in that moment.
1: But even after knowing that USC and UCLA were bolting for the Big Ten, the uh, the, the, the ESPN, according to reports, did offer the Pac-12, a media rights contract, in 2022. Uh, So... Oh, no, of, they
0: offered him $30 million. Here's the problem.
1: <laughs> which is on par with the ACC and Big 12 yeah, and what they would have received they and what they, what they were touting they were getting well, streaming-wise. Look, they
0: can't blame Klavikov for that because it goes back to the chancellors and the presidents, and they're the ones who decided to turn that down. Not him. Uh, no so Klavikov was then sit back in there, hey, give him this offer. He may not have wanted to do that. But then the counter was $50 million and ESPN said screw off and wouldn't even come back to the negotiating table. And at that point, I believe ESPN started working with those they wanted in the Pac-12 to move them with the other conferences. And that's what the Pac-12 is angry about. Meaning, um,
1: meaning which teams? Stanford and Cal who are joining the ACC no, now?
0: No, I think uh, um, Colorado and those schools that went to the Big 12 part of it. Probably, you know, Oregon Washington were quick succession. After that? Yeah. You know, when that they tried, broke.
1: it sounded like they tried to keep it together. Yeah. But. All of those. Nonetheless, it's Washington State taking the brunt, and it'll be worth paying attention to McAfee tomorrow. Yep. Coming up, a big preview for the NFL weekend. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? Hot mic with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Chad, the weekend has arrived. Favorite game, college or uh, NFL this weekend for you? Without Tennessee being involved with the Vols. Because that's a great game between uh, yeah. Tennessee and a
0: I mean, it's, it's Oregon-Washington. Over anything. Overall. Uh, USC-Notre Dame is probably right there for me. Yep. Um, man, I'm trying to think NFL. Which one I'm jumping to want to see. Those are definitely the two college ones.
1: You'll be flipping through to see all of them, but paying yeah. attention to all of them. You're like me though. This this week in the NFL, it's just kind of a
0: it's kind of there blah. are some there
1: are some good matchups, not great matchups. I'll give you one. For me. Lions
0: on. at Bucks. It's going to be it's a good example
1: of good, not great.
0: Four and one and three and one. Yeah, though.
1: yep. the The others are like uh, uh, to me the most intriguing NFL is Seattle at Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a good one. Bengals going into a bye after this game, and Seattle's coming off of their bye week. The Bengals coming off the win. Burrow looks healthier, but still, it's, it's not about the, the pain threshold or if the injury's getting worse. It's about mobility, and if Burrow's going to be able to get out of the pocket and, and move around the pocket, for that matter. Jamar Chase coming off of an unbelievable day, career day, and a, a franchise best day, historically, for the Bengals last week. Um yeah, that that one's fascinating because of the Seattle secondary, not good. Bengals still in the mix, and then they come off their bye next week into a gauntlet run of teams they'll be facing. I still think the Bengals are a playoff team. Even with a banged up yeah, whatever think, percent Joe Burrow.
0: I think the um yeah, this past weekend was big to get them back in that direction.
1: That's it. That's that's the matchup of the NFL. In college, you're you're right. Oregon and Washington. USC Notre Dame I'm watching for the atmosphere more than anything. And uh, I mean is it still supposed to be like a downpour in the forecast in South Bend? That's uh, and cold.
0: Yeah, Colin's saying uh cold. great sign language from Colin yeah. too given Thank the shivering you. sign that was really good. That was yeah. that was next level. He must have taken some improv classes at the Groundlings or something. Um can we talk about West Virginia Houston finish last yes, night? Yes, yes. That was I, okay, I, so, I sent the group a text and I'm flipping back and forth between Chiefs-Broncos, Braves-Phillies. And then I see... How did a, you
1: find this at the perfect moment? I, I
0: see a tweet. This is just the benefit of like looking at social media while watching sports. I see a tweet, I believe, from our buddy Andy Staples. Okay. That says, a minute 14 left, and at the time, I think it was 35-32, Houston clinging to a lead, West Virginia ball. So I turn it over. I see a third and 10 in completion. Fourth and 10 for the Mountaineers, midfield. Garrett Green, their quarterback, hits some walk on receiver probably 20 yards down the field on fourth and 10, and he runs away from everyone for a touchdown. 12 seconds on the clock. Garrett Green, in a move that would make me want to strangle him if I'm a coach or a fan, rips his helmet off in celebration, starts to run around the stadium, waving at everyone to leave to get out of the stadium. With 12 seconds left, 15 yard penalty. And I'm thinking, that 15-yard penalty will come back to haunt them. Just watch. Kickoff from the 20, decent little return. They have the ball, I think, of the 42 to start, about eight yards on the one play they have, two seconds left, plenty of room for a Hail Mary, tip drill, Hail Mary, touchdown Houston. Ah. And I'm thinking, if you're that quarter, you have got to hold your water. Better than that in that situation. The game is not over. I understand an emotional response to making a play with 12 seconds left to take the lead. You can't rip your helmet off. You've got to get to the sideline and understand you're lucky to be in that spot where you're now ahead. You just faced a fourth and 10 and scored a touchdown. So get to the sideline and let the game play out. Don't start waving to fans or any of that crap in that moment. Terrible job by Garrett Green. Timmy B., Tim Brando was on the call that game with Spencer Tillman. We need to get him on next week to talk about the finish of that one. It was wild. And then for Houston to win it with the Hail Mary, crazy. Here's the uh, audio of that. Well, Donovan has still hit 15 in a row. Let's see if he can get to 16, Spencer. 15 pass completions in a row. This will be his last, and it's for the football game.
1: If he can get it off. for the end zone.
0: Tipped. And he
1: caught it. it. Yeah. Down. Holy Toledo! Here.
0: Stephon Jackson does it again. Timmy B. Spencer Tillman with the Holy Toledo drop. Love it. It was it was a wild finish. But I am so angry if I'm a West Virginia fan at the quarterback for ripping the helmet off in that moment. Just dumb stuff you can't have. Now is he the reason that the the secondary didn't do a great job of playing the Hail Mary? And didn't do it. No, he's not. But they put them in that position where they're 15 yards closer, and now they can reach the end zone with that throw. That doesn't happen if you don't take your helmet off. Chad, uh, your NFL lock for the weekend. Hutton, I am going with rest and time zone adjustment in my NFL lock of the weekend. Okay. There's a couple of those this weekend. The Ravens got out to London on Monday, I believe it was. Got adjusted. They were terrible the last time they were there. Titans went through the same routine they did the last time they were in London five years ago. Flew out Thursday, red eye, get there for Friday, Saturday, play the game Sunday, get out. They weren't terrible, but they did get off to a bad start against the Chargers five years ago and lost in overtime in that game. Um, I think the Ravens take care of the Titans this weekend. I think minus four was the last check. Five and a half, I believe. So it's gone up. I'll still take the Ravens minus five and a half against the Titans. That's my lock of the weekend.
1: Looking at five and a half over under 45 and a half. Uh, funny you mentioned Ravens Titans because normally back against the wall coming off of a loss and all of the discussion being about, well, is Vrabel and, and the Titans, are they, are they in a spot where they're about to spiral? And normally they don't. They're just average. Baltimore's been beating themselves. nine drops, Went through all the details of the final nine possessions against Pittsburgh and what was just an awful performance uh, top to bottom for a game where Lamar Jackson early on stood the pocket and actually threw the football really well. I'm taking Baltimore as well and laying the points when normally I would suggest not doing that. Uh, That's my NFL lock as well. Uh, The Ravens on the road technically. It's a road game for them taking on the Titans. This is Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Let me be the first uh, to echo what has been quietly covered about Tottenham Stadium. The players hate this turf. Hate it. Calling it out, uh, the Bills especially. The Bills lost two players, yeah, two key Milano, starters. gone
0: for a while, right? Uh,
1: to, yeah, to their, uh, to, due to injury to this turf. And they're already down Tredavious White. Chad, the, the quotes here about... You know, how it's the worst that they've played on. Uh, take that for what it's worth, because it's an emotional response after the game. But they've uh, the Ravens have come into uh, or go into a game where they've lost six fumbles this season. That's tied for the second most in the league. Uh, the turf could when we see some some players leave due to injury? That that could circle back up here. Um, yeah, I think that the Baltimore's the more talented team. I, I took the under as well. In this, Because I think it's a very low-scoring game uh, in London while both teams, I think, get off to a, uh, a slow start more than a fast one. Although, uh, Lamar Jackson, by the way, international star. He's surprised by it. Said he was stunned of how many people own his
0: jersey in, uh, in England. They're already out. I, um, I, don't, I don't feel great for the Titans in this game. Against the Ravens on Sunday. Here's the quote
1: from Bill's quarterback, Teron Johnson. The turf is terrible. My foot got stuck in the ground. Take the turf out. I don't know why we're playing on stuff like that. There you go. And by the way, uh, Jim Harbaugh was asked about the turf.
0: Is it turf or natural grass? John
1: John Harbaugh.
0: Is the grass they don't like or is it turf?
1: It just says terrible turf. They they lament the terrible turf at Tottenham. Uh, uh, John Harbaugh was asked about the turf. He goes... uh, you know what? I just uh, I'm thankful that we have grass in Baltimore. was all he would say. Hmm. There you go.:
0: Yep. could be an issue. Von Miller ripping 1.3 billion dollar London stadium for having bad turf.
1: That's, that could be a storyline. This is the final game, by the way, of the uh, the London uh, loop for the NFL. Points bet, if you haven't taken a shot with points bet now is the perfect moment. The big reason why exclusively for first-time points bet users, grab this unique offer. Right now, new PointsBet users get up to $1,000 in second chance bets. If your first bet doesn't go as planned, PointsBet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com. bet Outkick.com. Bet is where you go to complete the registration process with PointsBet, and you make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, that's when the second chance bets come into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com. Bet right now to snag this offer. Outkick.com. Outkick.com. Bet. Chad, wrong team favored in college football. Uh, we've had some hits, some misses. I won last week. Uh, outright winner for Louisville over Notre Dame. I'm up to 20 points on the season. Uh, Davey, he's uh, at
0: 10. And Chad, you need a winner. Yeah, you need a winner I'm, this week. I'm at I'm at zero. This is terrible. And I've been going with bigger lines just to try to immediately get back in the game with a big splash, get back in the competition. The bottom line, though, is I need a win, nothing worse than anything else. That's what I need. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I I think that they have the type of team that will succeed against Tennessee. Good defense, especially against the run. Tennessee's got the best rushing attack in the SEC, but A&M's got the front to sell out and stop the run. They're going to make Joe Milton beat them deep through the air. Give me Texas A&M outright, three-point underdog against the Vols.
1: I am taking Missouri on the road against Kentucky.
0: We're taking two different uh, road dogs. Two-and-a-half-point
1: road dog, and I I just trust – this is crazy. I just trust in what Missouri is bringing week in and week out offensively. I'm stunned to say that based on preseason expectations. This was a, a pivotal matchup a year ago early in the season. And now, midway through, is it Missouri or Kentucky that's going to own that second spot in the SEC East? Because they can wreak some havoc on whoever they're competing for after this matchup. And I think the, uh, the Tigers' offense gets after Stoops' defense in this game. And I don't think Kentucky can keep up. I think it's close for a while. And Kentucky, sure, they can run the football. But I just trust the consistency of what Missouri does. And I know it was a, a bad LSU defense, but they've been doing it all along, Missouri. I think that carries over, home or on the road.
0: I agree. I think Missouri's the better team. You know, how much does home field factor in for Kentucky? I'd, I'd ask the same about Tennessee. I think a and is a little bit better of a team, but Neyland Stadium is a big factor, uh, especially recently with Josh Heupel. So how much is home field a factor in that one? Brady Cook is quietly... One of the best three or four quarterbacks in the SEC. Very confident in saying that. Maybe even higher on the list than that. So I like Missouri as well. And uh,
1: Davey taking Auburn to win. If Auburn wins, he gets 11 points in the competition and will have the lead.
0: Could Missouri not be doesn't win. further off uh, with my prediction. I think Auburn gets housed in this game by LSU.
1: What, what makes you favor LSU based on what I, we've I seen recently? I just
0: think recently? LSU has shown themselves to be a team that can score on anybody. Yes, that also can get scored on by anyone. So to beat them, you have to have an offense that can score points. I don't think Auburn has that offense. I definitely don't think they have it at LSU at night in that type of environment. So I think LSU wins big.
1: I'm not previewing Georgia for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, that's at, the other one. I honestly
0: considered Hutton taking, I think it was 33-and-a-half. Georgia, I think that's too low. That's too low against this vanity team. It it's going to be a home game for Georgia, too. Upset. It'll be 80%, 80, 80, 90% Georgia fans in the stadium. Could it
1: be upset chance for, for Arkansas at Bama, given Bama's mistakes week in and week
0: out? Maybe, but Arkansas has not shown me much this year. Yeah. I, I think if it was someone else a little bit better coming off that win at A&M, maybe, but I don't think so.
1: We are back at it on Monday. Hope you'll join us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern each and every weekday right here across the OutKick Network. Enjoy the football weekend. All the top stories and headlines between now and Monday. Check out outkick.com.